Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock A couple of big stories happening right now. I think without question, the biggest story in the country is uh, Buffalo Bills safety. Damar Hamlin in critical condition collapsed on the field during Monday night football last night. Certainly can make a case it's embarrassing politically for, uh, you know, how no majority has emerged in the first and second house speaker votes for Kevin McCarthy. (laughs) That's kind of, uh, that's embarrassing. Uh, We will get to that later. My name is Nigel. Guy Relford is filling in for uh, Jason Hammer over there. How are you? Happy New Year, Guy. Oh, well, happy New Year to you. Always a pleasure to be here. I'm glad Hammer's coming back because I miss him, but I've had a lot of fun filling in a few times here over the holidays. It's been a blast. This footage of that Buffalo Bills safety collapsing is pretty disturbing, and it wasn't the hit he, you know, he was on the field. He was hurt while tackling a Bengals receiver, T. Higgins, right? And the hit didn't look like anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, except that, um, and and Demar it, initiated the hit. He was tackling a guy. Sure, they were both uh, doing their jobs. Yeah, and uh, and and but when he he came in and, and and took the guy on, the other guy's helmet hit him square in the chest. Yeah. And you're right; it didn't look like a devastating hit at the time. But I think sometimes when it, when you get hit just in the right location, it actually interrupts the electrical signals going to and from the heart, and can actually cause your heart to stop beating. Through that, from that traumatic impact, it can happen in car wrecks. It, happen, it happens in little league baseball. I mean, you know, just when you have collisions. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think it's anything unique to football. But um, that, and and that's obviously one of the things that makes a cardiac arrest different from a heart attack or heart failure. Um, where a lot of times it can be caused by traumatic impact. And I, I that, that that seems to be what we're hearing, Nige, coming out of Cincinnati and Buffalo. It does. And when I say a routine hit, you're right. I mean, it, 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 especially because he popped back up. Yeah. He got right. hit. They, or they tackled, they tackled the guy, popped back up, and then immediately, seconds later, fell like a tree yeah. in the forest. And that was what was uh, really disturbing. Here's a little bit of that audio. This is where Joe Burrow is so good. And now another Bills player is down. DeMar Hamlin is the one who was in on that stop on T. Higgins. And then he got up and just went right back down to the ground. Well, you can see that the ambulance is out there on the field, and they are intensely working on DeMar Hamlin. The entire Bills team is out on the field right now. Several players are down on their knees. Other players are holding hands, praying. You can just see the worried looks uh, on their faces. And you saw it right away yeah. as soon as that happened. Um, you saw the teams of, you know, both teams kind of surround DeMar so the the camera couldn't get a really good angle on what was happening. And and you saw, you know, coming together, people yeah. in unison praying, uh, the crowd on their feet standing, players on the field kneeling and praying yeah. for for this guy. Here is, we'll play some more audio here. This is a former NFL safety, Ryan Clark. Again, Buffalo Bills safety, Damar Hamlin, collapsing last night. Look what 
like to be cardiac arrest. I think they had to. I mean, I think his heart stopped beating for a few seconds. They yep. had to. They had to get it back going. Exactly right. Um, here is Ryan Clark, former NFL safety, talking to ESPN after Hamlin's collapse on the field in the first quarter of that game. He's given a player's perspective on what happened during during that play. So many times in this game, we use the cliches. I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. We forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. You know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly. I dealt with this before, and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. And now this team has to deal with that, and they have no answers. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player, <laughs> or we're, we're upset that the, the guy on our team doesn't make the play, and we're saying he's worthless, and we're saying you get to make all this money. These men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream, and DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. Ryan Clark said something in there that made total sense, and I agree with him. We don't know what happened, which is why I'm, right. I'm scrolling through Twitter, and you see certain people that have lots of questions, been super critical of the vaccines and the jabs, move immediately no. to move immediately to that argument, which is too out there for me. You don't know what happened to him. You don't know his vax status. Even if you did, it wouldn't make a difference. No more than a somebody. You know, you're hearing this um, term called commotio cordis, mm -hmm. which is not anything related to do with myocarditis, but you see, mm -hmm. you're seeing that term thrown around mm -hmm. right now, just like you're seeing other excuses thrown around by the the the, the vax crowd um, and, and people throwing that term around. Nobody knows what happened yet. You know, what I think um, is disgusting, it, it's beyond disgusting, it's despicable, is when people take any tragedy no matter what it is where you have family you know suffering and teammates suffering you got a, a guy who's still unconscious in critical critical condition in the hospital and they can take that situation and spin it into to somehow supporting their pre-existing political agenda sure that's disgusting yeah. to me i don't care what your political agenda is i don't care if, if whether i agree with your political agenda the fact you're willing to you, jump in to this crisis just to promote your individual political agenda makes you a terrible person well certainly there are and, and look people we have been lied to to a certain extent when it comes to the vaccines and their sure. efficacy and the way they were oversold to us when they came out. Uh, your vac vaccine prevents you know prevents you from getting it and spreading it. That was that was uh, that was a lie. I mean that was and and they knew it was a lie and um, and certainly the suppression of dissenting views on Twitter makes you all want makes people wonder. Hmm. Do they have a point here? So that's why I'm saying nobody. It's like Sanjay Gupta when he looked at a president, the picture of the president of the United States, looked at him and said, "Oh yeah, he has heart disease." We yeah. have we have audio Sanjay Gupta, CNN, their resident, uh, their doctor. I don't, I'm not sure if he's still there or not. Say, so looked at a pr picture of the president, and said, "Oh, he has heart disease." So I think they did the right thing last night. Here is uh, the Monday Night Football crew announcing that they actually postponed the game and gave an update. Here's the statement. Tonight's Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game has been postponed after Buffalo Bills' DeMar Hamlin collapsed. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell announced Hamlin received immediate medical attention on the field by team and independent medical staff and local paramedics. He was then transported to a local hospital where he is in critical condition. 
Our thoughts are with DeMar and the Buffalo Bills. We will provide more information as it becomes available. The NFL has been in constant communication with the NFL Players Association, which is in agreement with postponing this game. Okay, uh, we'll turn our sights here locally. Some numbers are in for 2022, Guy. And the mayor seems to be... He's not doing a victory lap. He's not celebrating, but he's he's spinning these numbers as positive. I'm not so sure I'd go that far. 964 people shot, 193 people stabbed, 229 people killed in 365 days in 2022. It's 1,157 people shot or stabbed for the year, 229 homicides. Some of those homicides were in self-defense. But um, those are those are the stats we're looking at, right? And what Hogs came out and said is, while he wasn't necessarily celebrating, he he noted that these were reductions, particularly in the murders, from the last two years. He said he was the lowest number since 2019. What does that mean? It means okay, unlike several years in a row. Uh, over the last dozen years, we set we set new records every year. It, it, it was not that long ago where, yeah. where you know having a hundred homicides in a year was a big deal. Now now we're at two two twenty nine, and simply because that's not a new record, the mayor is is citing progress in the fight against violent crime in Indianapolis. I, I, not setting a new record every year, Nige, to me yeah. is nothing I'd be patting myself on the back for. And a lot of it is uh, is because of the American Rescue Plan dollars that have been spent, $45-$50 million. Um, my, my question is, what happens when that money runs out? Because he talks about um, the, um, you know, in our first our year, in our, here's what Hogs has said on a Twitter uh, post. In our first year, our anti-violence strategy, Indianapolis saw a significant decrease. Criminal homicides produced the lowest level of deadly violence since 2019, 15% decrease. Thanks to large-scale collaboration between city agencies, law enforcement, and grassroots organizations. And, and again, a major dollars sunk into the police department. Gun, gun fire detection equipment, license plates, uh, recruiting, like to the tune of $40, $50 million. Mm-hmm. And my question is, okay, that's good. You can throw a lot of money at that, but what happens when those dollars run out? And you can throw all the money you want at crime in this city, but when you still have an extremely progressive liberal prosecutor letting people out with the revolving door of the criminal justice system, you throw all the money at it you, uh, you want, and it doesn't work. It won't work. Yeah, I mean, I'd be looking to see things like bond reform and looking at at aggressive prosecution for violent crimes by the prosecutor's office, not cutting sweetheart deals, uh, and and, and not letting repeatedly the same violent offenders right back out through that revolving door that you mentioned of the criminal justice system so they're out on the street either available to commit more violent crime themselves or, as we see over and over again, available to be a victim – because they have a beef with somebody out on the street where we keep cranking these same people out that are involved in illegal activities or involved in, in, in gang activity, whatever it might be. When we keep spitting them right back out, what are they? They're, they're available to commit more violent crimes, including murder, and they're available to be murdered because they're caught up in that lifestyle. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel, Guy Relford filling in for Hammer. Uh, we both live in Zionsville, Guy. Mayor Emily 
uh, the effing mayor, as as it were. <laughs> so she's not going to seek a second term, which is surprising. No one. I had people in the town council telling me that for months. Uh, quote, I decided not to seek re-election. Uh, together with town employees, we've accomplished our primary goals related to innovative and economic and uh, community development, preserving and growing our green spaces. We are not going to take the foot off the gas this year, and I look forward to continuing full speed ahead of our uh, ahead to move our town forward. She told the IBJ that she acknowledged her contentious relationship with the Zionsville Town Council. <laughs> Which contentious is a generous word. Yeah, no doubt. All the members are Republican. Um, that was a factor. And then there's already a couple of high-profile Republicans, including John Stair, uh, former anchor at uh, Channel 13, running for mayor. Uh, Burgess, I believe, is the other um, other member, a former member of the Zionsville School Board. So uh, she. Um, <laughs> I did. I did text one of the guys I know on the on the city county council i go what economic development is she talking about did she actually truly get anything done in that realm (laughs) he immediately wrote back her pr follows the same pattern as her administration lies (laughs) well and keep in mind too and we talked about this at the time this is the lady who on facebook in response to a, a a private citizen just making a comment about reducing crime and he said you know it's not all about guns and gun control you know we had to look at other factors that contribute to crime other than always focusing on gun control and this woman on on her official you know mayor's facebook page yeah no well after this it guy. was her private page it was her private it page. was her private page so that's the excuse okay all right <laughs> so but went after this guy with dropping how many f-bombs called him an effing jackass f yeah, you and F-U. i'm the i'm the effing I'm mayor the effing of this mayor. town and this is and, and and all the guy said is i don't think we should just oh, be yeah. looking at one factor i think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of issues that go into crime and she went off on it this was, poor it was guy. a reasoned well thought out statement yes on social media nothing and controversial she used, she used her position uh as mayor to bully and intimidate a private citizen yeah and, and it was embarrassing and it's not just embarrassing because people are republicans or democrats i heard it from all over the place in zionsville that even the most staunch of democrats were like looking around going what is this lady doing oh i know she's unhinged forget about some of the stuff i've heard with the fire chief and the city and the town council it's it's really not a shocker at all that this was her one and only term and she would get dusted by either one of these two republicans that are running exactly. next year and you know I posted the link to her insane, profane rant in both on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, and, and and the Indianapolis Monthly magazine did a did a story on this whole episode, and they they wanted to make the story about me. They asked her, they go, well, why do you think Guy Relford would you know want to bring attention to, to this? She goes, well, I don't even know who that is. Who is this guy? Oh, he's you know he he's a radio host on WIBC, and and they're now they're talking in this interview about why I was after them. I'm not after her. I never uh, I never met her in person. I didn't like her politics. But when I posted that link, it's because she's the mayor of my town, and I think people ought to see when she embarrasses herself, her office, and the city of Zionsville on social media. So I'm not gonna, I'm only going to back up from that at all. But the fact that Indianapolis Monthly and, and the mayor wanted to somehow make that about me, what, just because I brought to light your statements on social media, you have to live with that, lady. 
She became everything that she claims she hates. She became the female version of Donald Trump on social media. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there you a go. A bully yeah. and somebody that picks fights with people in less powerful positions in case, in this case, a regular citizen, quite possibly one of her constituents. I don't know if he lives in Zionsville. No, he, the guy, I, and I actually he, talked to the guy, and he did not live in, in Zionsville. Okay, I, I, but still, I mean, she's, but you know, just she's a, a private bully. citizen. She's, yeah. a, she's a bully, and she came in, she thought she was going to come in swinging yeah. to that town council and make some decisions right off the bat, and everybody's like looking around like, this, this woman has no idea what no, she's doing. No, it's just been a rolling embarrassment ever since she took office. I did, uh, we came in with the song My Hero from Foo Fighters. I did make a prediction that was errant and um, wrong at the beginning of this year after Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, died mm-hmm. unexpectedly. I'm still not quite sure exactly what the cause of death was. I know he had a lot of stuff in his system that probably shouldn't have been there if you if you don't want to die of an OD. Uh, I know there's maybe maybe a heart issue there, but I thought, oh wow, that's it because that's Dave Grohl's buddy, the lead singer Dave Grohl, and him and Taylor Hawkins were like this. They were they were brothers. I mean, uh, Taylor Hawkins basically came up with Dave Grohl and creating the Foo Fighters. He wasn't the Foo Fighters original drummer, uh, but eventually became just a solid part of that band. And now you have Dave Grohl, who has lost two different band members in two different bands. Oh, Kurt, wow. Kurt, Kurt Cobain in Nirvana, and now uh, his best friend, drummer Taylor Hawkins, who left behind, you know, small kids and a wife. And I thought, man, I, this is just too much of a tragic situation. I can't ever imagine them getting together again. And then when they did the Wembley Hall tribute for Taylor Hawkins, I thought, okay, I was dead wrong about this. Those guys are going to keep rocking. Yeah. Those guys are going to keep at it. And it would be probably an insult to the memory of Taylor Hawkins if they just quit now, at this point. Now, back in your days as a rock and roll DJ, Nice. Did you ever interview these guys? The Foo Fighters? Can't remember. No, I would have remembered. I, I no. Seen him in concert plenty. Never got to meet him in person. Okay. Because no. you've met an awful lot of. I have. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Musical yeah. stars out there. Uh, so the Foo Fighters released a statement basically saying that they're going to continue to make music. They're going to be a different band without drummer Taylor Hawkins. Of course, he'll always be with them in spirit. Uh, do, do you want to do, even though it's Tuesday, do you want to do a Gun Day Monday? Absolutely. Mon- Monday Gun Day? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do uh, it. All right, let's do that next. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. Yeah, I know it's Tuesday, our first live Hammer and Nigel Show of the year 2023. We've got to get that sponsor, right, guy? <laughs> How are you, man? That's right, man. We're doing a Tuesday edition of Monday Gun Day, and thanks to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at FortLibertyFirearms.com. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. You yeah. sent me, I almost forgot, you sent me that article about how the NRA has recognized your client, yeah. Eli Dicken, who 
was the hero in the Greenwood Park Mall uh, mass shooting, uh, stopped him, stopped the shooter from killing even more people. Unfortunately, three people lost their lives before Eli was able to take him down. And I mean, I, that's, I, I think that's a big deal when, when some, uh, an organization like the NRA takes time to recognize something like that. Yeah, right? what, 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 what happened? happened is uh, a writer for the NRA magazine, which is called America's First Freedom, uh, contacted me and, and wanted to, to interview Eli. And, you know, Eli's not making any public statements, but he's authorized me to to do so, do so on his behalf. And so I gave an interview uh, to this gentleman, and just today in that magazine, they published really a very nice article uh, talking about what a hero Eli was and, and how this really demonstrates how a law-abiding citizen who, who's willing to step up and uh, put his own life on the line, put himself in harm's way, can have a tremendous impact and save a lot of lives. And that's exactly what Eli did. And it was nice to see the, the article come out uh, from NRA. That brings us to uh, New York. Um, the NYPD prevented this attack, although several officers were hurt. Could have been worse. This radical uh, jihadist decided to bring a machete to Times Square, New Year's Eve yeah. celebration. And uh, the NYPD saw all the signs. They see something, say something. They took this guy out. I think, uh, but he, again, NYPD officers were, uh, were hurt. Could have been worse, but. Think, you know, thanks to the New York's carry laws and the fact that they the city declared Times Square as a quote-unquote sensitive area, no law-abiding citizens would have had a gun on hand to deal with the threat had police not noticed this guy beforehand. Yeah, and, and that's what New York has done, and 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 the governor out there, as we were talking about, uh, is, is so incredibly anti-gun. But the Supreme Court's decision here, uh, I, I started to say this year, in fact, last year, um, the Bates case that came out and said, listen, New York cannot prohibit law-abiding citizens from having the right to carry handguns in public, which they'd been doing for years. And then th there was some, some uh, rhetoric in that decision that said this is not to say New York can't prohibit guns in, in so-called sensitive areas. And by sensitive areas, Nige, they're talking about schools and, you know, in, in jails and other places, um, you know, secure area of the airport. Um, but what New York did in response to try to circumvent the whole uh, impact of the Supreme Court's decision uh, is to declare every damn place a sensitive yeah. area. And I'm, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but Times Square and a lot of other public places where people gather, which is exactly where you would like to have the ability to defend yourself, declared those all sensitive areas um, and continue to, to, to ban guns there. And my first thought on seeing this article, and one of the reasons I sent it over to you, is that, is that you know, I resent the hell out of not having the ability to defend myself and my family when I'm out in public. Like, you know, I came down and, as we were talking about, went to a, a nice restaurant here in Izzy's uh, on New Year's Eve in the afternoon. Then went to a great uh, Pacer game when Pacers yeah. uh, uh, won against uh, the evil L.A. Clippers and Paul George. But, you know, since I was going into the stadium and had to go through a metal detector to get into the stadium for the Pacer game, I couldn't carry my gun while we're walking around. You know, I, I parked here at the station. We're walking around, you know, several blocks downtown. And I, and I, you know, and we're walking past, you know, homeless people that are giving me the eye and saying stuff. Yeah. And I, I resented the hell out of being in a position where I wouldn't be able to defend myself other than with my hands. Um, 
and fists and feet um, to, you know, if something happened out on the street in order to defend my wife and, and, and to protect myself. And if you live in New York, man, that's what you're faced with. I and mean, here, some guy pulls a machete out. And I'm assuming machete is probably on the list of uh, weapons that aren't allowed in sensitive areas, <laughs> along with I'm, guns. I'm right? sure that's true. <laughs> I mean, a giant bladed weapon's not allowed either, but he tried to bring that and was successful into Times Square. Yeah. But see, that's what politicians in New York and, and other places that support this kind of gun control. They don't care. They don't care that they leave law-abiding citizens completely defenseless because it promotes their political agenda. They they wouldn't have cared, you know, that, that multiple uh, private citizens uh, and police officers too, for that matter died at the hands of this guy, they're not going to budge. They're not going to say, oh, wait a minute, maybe we should give law-abiding citizens the ability to defend themselves. They're just not going to go there. But why not? What reasonable person for for a second would think that the rules against guns in New York or anywhere else kept him from bringing a gun in the first place? It, it's you this, know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, but that, he didn't but look at those rules. He didn't look at those rules and say, oh, it's a gun-free zone. I'm not going to bring a gun. Maybe I'll just bring a machete but the the issue the big picture is here bad guys with guns don't pay attention to signs that say gun-free zones or sensitive areas that's the essential fallacy (laughs) right there is that these people are so arrogant um is that they truly believe if they pass a law everyone including criminals going to follow that law and it's completely the opposite only law-abiding citizens do right i mean if if you're looking at two years in prison for carrying a gun to Times square for the new year's eve celebration a law-abiding citizen is going to go well you know what i better not carry that gun just like i said i'm not going to carry my gun around downtown before trying to get through the metal detector at the pacer game but who's not going to care a guy like yeah. this radical you know islamic jihadist uh, if he had access to a gun would have absolutely carried it other criminals aren't going to aren't going to follow those laws and and for some reason the arrogance of these politicians politicians leads them to believe that they pass a law everybody's going to going to follow it and it's completely uh, ridiculous but they continue to do it now that you've had time to read all 4000 pages of the omnibus yeah, right. spending bill <laughs> guy uh anything raise your eyebrow anything uh, of concern in terms of of gun control in the omnibus yeah there, there's a lot there's something like 15 different provisions uh to fund gun control efforts uh, in this 1.7 trillion uh, dollar uh, spending bill and i gotta tell you there's a number of things here one is it's they're providing a lot of money to uh, individual uh, states and communities, uh, t- particularly at the state level, to pass more and more red flag laws, uh, which allows the seizure of firearms from from people who have committed no crime, but who are deemed to be dangerous. But overall, Nigel, I got to tell you, the thing that caught my attention that uh, that scares me is that they have increased the ATF's budget dramatically. The ATF is getting one point seven billion dollars from uh, the federal government, and that increases their budget uh, something like 40%. And I got to tell you, right now, if there's a rogue agency out there that I really believe is out of control, it's the ATF. ATF is doing things they have to know are illegal, just hoping people won't have the the wherewithal, the legal ability to stand up to them. And I see it over and over again. they're, They're confiscating guns from people without ever charging them with a crime, just taking their guns, saying no. Who who was that guy that they tried to name to the head of the ATF? Luckily, he got voted down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, David Chipman, uh, I I believe, was his name. And even the Democrats decided he was too much of a (laughs) wacko uh, to run ATF. The guy who said, oh, yeah, I absolutely want to ban assault weapons and then couldn't define an 
an assault weapon. <laughs> but uh, but 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 ATF, given the ATF those kind of resources, it really scares me. Because look, I'm sure some people at you know on the front lines, and I know a lot of our local ATF people. I've worked with them, and they're they're good people. A lot of them are gun people. A lot of them be, went to ATF because they're they're firearm enthusiasts and wanted to work on gun related issues for the government. But the uh, the the uh, appointees and the the bureaucratic uh, uh, members who control ATF are scary, and their directives out there uh, are, I think, completely inconsistent with the Second Amendment. For instance, there's a whole branch of ATF that deals with uh, regulating gun stores. You know what we call a federal uh, firearms le- licensee, and uh, and and I've had friends of mine who own gun stores have tell me that they've had their local ATF guy that they've they've worked with for years come and say, you know what, uh, I'm th- I'm considering leaving leaving the ATF because my job description has changed. It used to be I was to help work with gun stores to keep them on the right side of the law to help them you know get through the the myriad regulations and the and the, and the, and the, and the red tape involved with being a gun owner and to help them comply and anymore it's exactly the opposite the the the, the a lot of the people are hearing in gun stores their atf has their atf agents are saying it's now my job to find some excuse to put you out of business and that's the motivation wow. that's the order coming uh, coming down wow. uh, from the political appointees and that's and that's scary and it's disappointing and it becomes scarier when we now know in this omnibus spending bill they've got almost 2 billion dollars to spend in those kind of pursuits Monday Gun Day guy Relford. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, more details. Where can they find yeah, you? Yeah, RelfordLaw.com is the best way. Uh, RelfordLaw.com. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Nigel Guy Relford. Uh, guys filling in for Jason Hammer. Hammer will be back tomorrow. Anything um, raising your eyebrows next week as the General Assembly starts uh, its new session? Now, what do you anticipate in the bills? Anything good? Anything bad? Anything missing? Well, one thing I'm worried about in the 2A area, the Second Amendment area, is that uh, you know Ryan Mears was very vocal after the FedEx shooting. Uh, and Ryan Mears, Marion County prosecutor, uh, really, I think, is an excuse for why he didn't file red flag proceedings against the shooter who ended up you know, killing, I believe it was nine people at the Federal Express uh, facility here in Indianapolis. He was saying, well, the reason we didn't file those red flag proceedings was because of defects in the law. And 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 I completely disagree with that. None of the alleged defects he talked about, I think, are defects at all. What he calls defects in the red flag law, I call due process, uh, as constitutionally protected by the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments of the United States uh, Constitution. And so uh, I'm very worried that he may have gotten in an ear of some legislators uh, to say, hey, we need to fix the red flag law by gutting the due process out of it. And uh, I'm hearing a lot of rumblings about that. Really? In fact, just on the way down here, uh, State Senator Jim Toms from uh, southeastern, southwestern Indiana uh, gave me a call, and, and he's concerned about that as well. So I think we got to keep a close eye on that because, you know, anytime you have a tragedy like the FedEx shooting, legislators want to, quote, unquote, do something. And here I'm very concerned they're going to label our, our red flag law as, as needing to be, quote, unquote, fixed uh, when uh, it truly doesn't. It, it, the, the law was never implemented. I don't know how you can blame defects on the law uh, when you <laughs> never tried to use it as Ryan Mears did not. Warren, you were one of the ones that helped rewrite it. 
Yeah, in 2019. And we enhanced uh, the due process protections in it, and we improved it in a lot of ways, including uh, greatly improving the definition of dangerous, since this allows the seizure of guns from people who are, quote-unquote, dangerous. Uh, I was very proud of, of the fact that we, we fa- it's still not perfect, and red flag laws can be absolutely abused. I see that all the time. I'll bet I've, I've defended more red flag cases than any lawyer in the state, Nige. Yeah. And, and I see it absolutely yeah. abused, but it's too easy for legislators and, and politicians generally and even members of the media start thinking that everybody who has a red flag proceeding filed against them is really dangerous because I've seen exactly the opposite. I've seen it be used as a as, as, a, as a tool uh, to retaliate against people, whether it's a vindictive ex-spouse, uh, jealous co-workers. Hell, one is a neighbor dispute. Two neighbors had an ongoing dispute over where they left their trash cans, but the one neighbor who ended up being my client was an avid hunter and a competitive shooter, and the neighbor knew that. And so at one point, the neighbor completely fabricated a story that my client had threatened to shoot him and pointed a gun at him in a dispute over trash cans. It never happened. We were actually able to prove with ring doorbells that it never happened. But this guy, if this guy under under Ryan Mears theory about what we should do with the red flag law, this guy would have been a prohibited possessor, just like a felon before he ever got his day in court with no due wow. process whatsoever. And that's what we got to be steadfast against. So that's the number one thing on my radar that I'm going to be fighting tooth and nail against. Probably somebody should maybe look at the current property tax laws and procedures as well. I agree with uh, Rob Kendall on that position. Uh, no question about it. We are, uh, we got about 30 seconds left. You have a good New Year's Eve? Yeah, it, it, it was low key, but... Uh, uh, about, yeah, you went to Pacer game? Yeah. The, that's, lo- when, that's when they put up 130 points, right? 131? Yeah, Pacers won 131 to 130 Jeez. against the LA Clippers. A great game, and before that, we went had a great meal at Harry and Izzy's. Man, uh, I, love, I love going to the bar and sitting at the bar at Harry and Izzy's, have a couple great cocktails. Bar. and Great bar. And great bar uh, downtown. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, I saw a great game, but we were still out of there uh, in time to get home at a decent hour. And now the real question is, and I, I will fully admit yeah. uh, my answer to this question, were you awake at midnight? I wasn't awake at 930. <laughs> <laughs> Went to see Puss in Boots at Flick's Brew House in Carmel. Did you really? With the birthday boy, Connor turning 11. He's oh, a December awesome. 31st well, baby. And then came back Connor, home, believe. had some Olive Garden, went to bed. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel <laughs> Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock my name is Nigel. Guy Relford in for Jason Hammer. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Rick Snyder, president of the FOP. Rick, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you guys. Rick, so let's get right to it. Some of the um, numbers we're looking at in terms of violent crime stats for Indy in 2022, over 1,100 people shot or stabbed for the year with at least 229 homicides. Just your overall uh, big picture takeaway from from the numbers that we're seeing well i think it shows that we still are facing tragic trends throughout the city of indianapolis that's a third year in a row over 200 plus homicides that we've never seen in the history of our city and uh while we applaud the the uh the reduction that we've seen from last year it just uh again is a reminder though that we're still at 
record levels. You know, I liken it to this. You know, it's it's like uh, your fuel prices, your gas prices going up to $5 a gallon, and then they come down to $4 a gallon, yeah. and people cheer that we've had a reduction. Yeah. We really haven't. There's still record level highs, and it's the same. And, you know, every life should be mattering here. And what we see is that we have 229 of our fellow neighbors who have lost their lives in just one year uh, in our city. And Rick, this is Guy. You know, one thing I said earlier on the show is that, you know, yeah, I'm an older guy, but it wasn't that long ago that hitting 100 homicides in Indianapolis was a big deal. And and now we seem to be applauding uh, 229 simply because we didn't set a record for another year in a row like we have for several years over the past several years. But this is still, I mean, really to your point, these are still uh, incredibly high numbers. Well, there's no doubt about it. When you look and do the comparative analysis, I mean, all year long, we were still running neck and neck with Chicago for total number of homicides. And again, guys, don't lose sight of the fact that we had, you know, 964 people shot, 193 people stabbed. Many of those are also attempt murders. The only reason why they didn't result in a homicide was because of medical technology and, quite frankly, the rapid response of folks on the front lines and public safety, like our law enforcement officers who apply tourniquets and and, uh, bandages and life-saving medical uh, responses as well. Anything else you could point to uh, in terms of reduction in the number of homicides? I believe Hug said said 15.87 decrease three times the national average in reduction. Um, You know, I know the American Rescue Plan was able to get you guys uh, millions and millions of dollars. You know, so some money was thrown at that problem. Uh, but there, was there anything else that you could point to? Um, sure. What else? Sure. There, there, a significant issue that uh, has uh, taken place in 2022 was a very intentional step by law enforcement in Indianapolis and throughout Marion County, not just IMPD, but other police agencies as well, to completely bypass the local prosecutor's office and take violent crimes that involve guns and repeat violent offenders to the federal prosecutor here. And if you guys have been following the news or following uh, our Twitter, we've been quick to point out all of the press releases and news stories and headlines that have come from the uh, local, uh, the uh, Indiana U.S. attorney here uh, for the Southern District of Indiana, uh, who has uh, drawn down significant results of actually um, not just closing the door, the revolving door in Indianapolis, but actually bypassing the revolving door and locking some people up who are repeat violent offenders. That's had a dramatic effect. And I applaud the strategy of our IMPD to move in that direction when it is appropriate. And guys, I also want to give credit. We finally bought and invested in a technology package that we, the FOP, called for all the way back in January of 2019, uh, three, three years ago, now going on uh, four years ago. Uh, where we called for an investment in gunshot detection systems, uh, license plate reader technology, and uh, public safety cameras. And we've seen those public safety cameras, license plate reader technology, play significant roles in multiple cases of uh, identifying suspects and, and, and helping in successful apprehensions. But also the gunshot detection system has recently been credited with saving the life of a gunshot victim. So uh, I think there are many things like that. And I would also give credit to uh, community groups grassroots groups like the 10-point coalition who saw significant reductions in the areas that they spend time walking in areas that had significantly high rates of, of, of violence and homicides where they saw significant reductions in those areas all of that has played a role in drawing down these numbers but they're still too high 
and we still have to double down on our efforts to close this revolving door and uh, help prevent repeat violent offenders from further victimizing our community. Rick, one thing that you and I have discussed and and you have with uh, Hammer and Nigel as well is the need for bond reform and the need for uh, really a cessation of this ridiculous system we have where people are arrested for very violent crimes and can be kicked right back out on the streets for as little as $500 for things like strangulation uh, and and even uh, domestic uh, abuse cases. Um, Do you have any optimism that Marion County would get serious about bond reform and try to keep more bad guys in jail longer? But we would still encourage the judges who oversee the establishment of the bond matrices in Marion County to give that further review. You know, one of the simple fixes we've proposed is uh, you can maintain that matrix, but how about it not apply to a repeat violent offender? Just start there. If you have a prior conviction for crimes of violence, you don't get that automatic bond and further review needs to occur. There's no, I don't see any way that anybody can debate or argue that point. And it's a reasonable solution uh, to help draw down some of these numbers and victimization. And listen, I think our state house, this legislative session, session will take some additional steps. I hope they do to continue to address this issue of crimes of violence and crimes of violence toward officers as well, guys, because these latest numbers we've seen of officers being attacked. I just spent time on Newsmax talking about these national numbers. We had 331 officers shot in the line of duty in this country last year, 62 of which were killed by gunfire. That's a 32 percent increase over 2020, which was a very violent year for our officers. And 126 officers were shot in 89 separate ambush attacks. Um, I think what we're seeing in major cities across this country is a complete deconstruction and destabilization of our criminal justice system. And we've got to get back to preserving the law and restoring order. Rick, where's the morale of IMPD, the, the rank and file right now? You know, we've talked before about how uh, a lot of officers don't feel like the administration has their back, um, uh, that, that, you know, they're, they're being restricted on the ability to do their jobs the way they'd like to do their jobs. Um, they're understaffed uh, and, 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 and working too many hours. But, you know, I, I don't want to just assume that uh, I understand what the rank and file morale level is, but it's worth a question to you. Where do you see that well morale is still in the gutter listen guys we the last climate survey we took we showed that 97 percent 97 percent of impd officers uh don't feel they have the support um of of the uh elected officials of the city uh we just saw 99 percent voted no confidence in the local marion county prosecutor and uh uh, about 97 percent voted no confidence in the local criminal justice system but guess what? Our officers in Indianapolis continue to suit up and show up every single day. They're not going to back down. They're not going to back away from protecting our fellow neighbors. Uh, but they do call on our residents that they serve to just simply wake up and stand up to these woke, broke politicians in charge and change course here while we still can. Uh, change needs to happen uh, because the victimization rates are too high. And guys, when you dig into these numbers, 229 homicides, we found that 78% of those homicide victims were our fellow black neighbors. Mm-hmm. 68% were black male, 10% were black females. Um, completely overrepresented uh, in terms of their overall population within the city. And we're told what lives matter. I would suggest to you that those lives mattered just as much as any others. And we should be talking about that, raising red flags about that overrepresentation and talking about what we're going to do about it. And I think most folks in the neighborhoods, when you talk to them, they will quickly point out to you 
that this issue of the revolving door of criminal justice in Marion County is a significant contributor and it must be closed. Yeah, wow. What a, I mean, those numbers just jaw dropping. A tragic reminder of the disproportionate impact of violence in Indianapolis. Uh, Rick Snyder, president of FOP. Uh, one more thing before we let you go. It, let's circle back to some of these grassroots organizations that Joe Hogsett mentioned in his statement on Twitter. The successful effort is thanks to a large-scale collaboration between city agencies, law enforcement, and grassroots organizations. I'm assuming he means organizations like Reverend Charles Harrison and the Ten Point Coalition. Doesn't seem like the administration was always willing to work with Charles Harrison and the Ten Point Coalition, even though they they had success in hotspots across the city. This was a big deal. Well, I think a big contributor is that there was a significant shift that took the management of those dollars away from the 25th floor and put it in the hands of the city county council. And that's when we saw a movement away from the 10 point coalition. I'm not advocating one way or the other for any individual group, Mm -hmm. but what I can is I can point to the actual uh, demonstrable results from the Indy 10 point coalition. We have yet to see those results published from uh, folks who are now on the payroll of the city of Indianapolis with taxpayer dollars, making an average of $55,000 a year yet, Uh, They still have never even been identified as to who they are. Mm. Guys, we don't even know the names of these employees that are somehow working in secret, uh, helping uh, to work with grassroots organizations. But one thing the mayor did point out uh, in his beginning of the year address is that there would be significantly more accounting and auditing of of those taxpayer dollars to those grassroots organizations, and we welcome that. Rick Snyder, president of the FLP, thank you so much. Happy New Year, and let your guys know the Hammer and Nigel Show have our full uh, full support. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Uh, coming up next, it's Is This Anything? And it is 64 and cloudy at the American Standard Heating Weather Center, 93 WIBC. Hammer and Nigel presents Is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? On 93 WIPC. Guy Ralford is in for Hammer. Hammer will be back tomorrow. I've got a couple of stories for you, Guy. You just let me know if they are anything or not. You ready? You betcha. A father and a mother drove a thousand miles through a winter storm in Colorado to bring their daughter home for the holidays after her Southwest flight was canceled. Uh, here they are talking about how excited his daughter was to have her parents drive through a snowstorm to bring her back home. We can see the change in her voice when she heard that we are in the city of Denver and 15 minutes away from her. You can feel the excitement of her voice. Is there any father or parents that wouldn't do that yeah. for their stranded daughter? Yeah. That, I mean, that, that, that's, Is that something? That's Well, it, it's something only because... Because of the, exactly the reason you just said, Nige, because it's a great demonstration of, of what you know parents do for their kids. I, 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 the dumbest thing, and or the most loving thing I've done for for my daughter in in history it was something similar to this. She had been living in Portland, and she was home for I think for the holidays. Decided while she was home, she wanted to move back. She didn't want to be in Portland anymore, so she announced that I, I'm moving back. In the meantime, she had an apartment with stuff in it <laughs> in Portland, and I said, well, let's just 
pay some money and have people move it back yeah. here. And it turned out it was ridiculously expensive to have somebody go yeah. roadside and bring it here. And so, you know, we looked at, at, at all kinds of different options. I finally said, you only been out there a few months. And it was like our first apartment she'd ever had. And I said, how much stuff could be in this apartment? I mean, it's going to cost us more to ship it back or to go get it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you know, it's it's my apartment. It's, it's my first TV I ever bought myself. It's the first couch I ever bought myself. And so finally, you know, I could see she was stressing over it. And I, at the time, I had a big old pickup truck and a motorcycle trailer, a big 18-foot motorcycle trailer. And I said, you know what? Let's just hook up my trailer, and we'll just go get it. Oh, and she dear goes, Lord, that's a long way. You know, oh, Daddy, would you do that for me? Uh, yeah, honey, I would, uh, Daddy will do that for you. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm driving across the, the mountains in Wyoming in a, in a, in a snowstorm you know, and, and with these high wind warnings up, and I'm, I'm pulling an empty box trailer through the mountains, well, and I'm going, I'm going to die you know, <laughs> going after. And, 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 we, and we, by the way, we get there, she opens the door. There couldn't have been $1,000 worth of stuff in this apartment. Well, why didn't Daddy just do a few more expungements that yeah, month? Well, yeah, well. And then, uh, Pay but, for some, <laughs> but, but you know what it was. I, I get it. It was this was her first apartment. It was her yeah, stuff, and you had a road she, trip that you'll remember for the rest of your life, which just you and her. Well, that's right. And so you know, we drove almost five thousand miles uh, in total, uh, over four anyway. Uh, so you know what? And but we still talk about that. It was a bonding experience. Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah, it, it's something. You can't buy that sort of stuff. Meanwhile, nah. in other winter storm news, a man rescued. Dozens of people who got stranded in the deadly winter storm in western New York broke into a school to give them shelter. Here is Jay Withy talking about how he saved the motorists and Addie Johnson talking about how grateful she is for his actions. I'm going to all these cars and telling them, hey, you know, I broke into school. There's heat. There's a bathroom. There's probably some food. you got to help the next person in line. We kept asking God to send us a guardian angel. An angel came. <laughs> what do you think, Guy? Well, it is. And, and, and it, But what would really add to whether this is something or not, Nige, is to know what the outcome was in terms of what did police have to say about this? I was just thinking the, the cynical, the cynical part of me is that someone somewhere is going, well, he broke a law. Uh, and I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping. And, and well, what's I, the law? I mean, you, well, you I mean, gonna... it's breaking and entering. You know, and you go in there, and he says, "There's probably some food in here." Well, now it's burglary. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but but you would. But and, you and especially, did he damage the school by breaking into it? Did yeah. he break a window? So I'm not saying it was the wrong thing. It clearly was the well, right, was thing, the right to thing to do. To do but I'm what? just hoping. At least I'm cautiously optimistic. Law enforcement looked at this and said, "Last thing we're going to do is prosecute this guy um, when he was just trying to save lives." So, but there is is no law on the books that would circumvent the the burglary charge or the, well, the breaking you, and entering you know when what? you're just trying to save a life in the middle of a snowstorm. There is a, a defense to some criminal cases called the emergency doctrine where, look, I didn't want to do this. I had to do this because of a, a pending emergency. And uh, depending on what the law is out there, that may likely have, occur, have applied. Well, let's, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's leave plenty of time for Ask the Gun Guy. You are a Second Amendment attorney. You are a firearms, certified firearms instructor. Whenever you yep. fill in, we'd like to do a segment or two called Ask the Gun Guy. If you have a legal two-way question, if you have a question about firearms safety, Get in right now, 239-9393. We'll get you on a hold, and we'll get your questions answered next with Ask the Gun Guy. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, I'm Nigel. Guy Relford is the gun guy. Host of the Gun Guy Show Saturdays here on 93 WIBC. Certified firearms instructor and Second Amendment attorney. And this is the part where you call us, 239-9393, if you have a question, a legal question, a firearm safety question for the gun guy. I just kind of let you take over, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. We love taking these calls. They're jammed, aren't they? They, We got a lot of people on the lines, but we're going to do a couple of segments, aren't we? Sure, yeah. Yeah, So so keep calling, and and if you're on hold, stay there. Join the discussion, 317-239-9393. And you know what? We have a Tory that has called in. If I remember correctly, we had... Tori on hold for a while last time we did this oh, when no. I was here, Nigel, and I think she had to, to drop off, if I remember correctly. But Tori, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Tori, are you there? Oh, you uh, jinxed her. Yep, I did. Well, let's put her back on hold. We'll try to we'll try her again in a bit. Let's go, Jason. Jason, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hey guy. I had a question about a uh, castle doctrine. Yeah, you um, bet. So how would castle doctrine apply to things like staying overnight at a family member's house or a close friend's house? Because I don't really want to be in a situation where say I'm staying over at a close friend's house and I would have to hand my gun off to somebody who's maybe less experienced just because they, they're the only one who has legal right to defend their house in that sort of situation. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. And the way the, that that subsection of our self-defense law is written, Jason, it says that you can use reasonable force up to and including deadly force to protect your dwelling. And it goes on from there, but we'll stick with dwelling for right now um, um, from the illegal, uh, uh, from the unlawful attack or uh, entry into your home. But But it says specifically your home. However, in a different part of the code, it talks about how your dwelling can be movable or fixed, meaning uh, it could be a tent in a ca- campground. It could be an RV while you while it's stopped and you're sleeping in it or eating in it, whatever. Um, and so the argument would be, well, does it apply even though it's not your house because that's your temporary dwelling? The way I've come down on this and the way I teach this in my uh, Essentials of Indiana Gun Law course, Jason, is that if it's not my house, I'm not going to assume that the Castle Doctrine applies, and I, I'm going to have to be defending myself or some other person from serious bodily injury and not just rely on the Castle Doctrine. Because the, the, the self-defense statute also authorizes the use of force, including deadly force, to protect me or a third person from uh, either a forcible felony or from serious bodily injury. So that's what I'm going to rely on if I'm not in my actual home. It, it, there's an argument that it's your temporary dwelling, so Castle Doctrine still applies. But that's unresolved right now in Indiana, and I wouldn't want to rely on that. Let's go back to the phone lines, and we got David. David, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hello, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What you got? Um, a friend of mine recently passed away, and his sister will be taking over um, all of his possessions, and that includes a small collection. He's got... Uh, Mostly uh, long rifles, but also at least one pistol. And I was wondering if uh, how to handle that through an FFL. Can I take it there and transfer it to someone else, or does she have uh, what right does she have to that gun now to get it there and transfer? It? Yeah, are the um, was the decedent uh, an Indiana resident? Or are they somewhere else? Yes, the- sir, Indiana resident. She's from Boston. He's an Indiana resident. Ah, she'll, she'll, okay. She'll be going. She's from Greenville, from Indianapolis, but. 
uh, we'll be going back to Boston. Yeah, and you know there are some exceptions uh, dealing with uh, heirs to an estate, but the general rule, David, is that transfers uh, to a resident of a different state from the owner of the gun. Uh, have to be done through an FFL. So the safest way to do it would be to yeah. do it through a Massachusetts FFL and transfer everything that way. That way there's no argument that um, it wasn't done exactly according to law. Let's go back to the phone lines, and Joe is with us. Joe, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hey, guys. Thanks for the call. Uh, my question is, um, I recently got my wife uh, her a firearm because of an incident that she had at one of the local targets. Uh-huh. Uh, but I won't let her carry it yet because she hasn't had any training. But I've kind of taken a liking to hers more than the one that I normally carry. And if I carry it and for whatever reason get stopped and they run and it comes back registered to her, would I have any issues? No. Uh, it's a great question, Joe. We don't have registration of firearms in Indiana. Uh, so you can carry lawfully any gun you legally possess. And so as long as it's not stolen uh, or something along those lines, uh, you can carry any gun. You you could stop by the station right now and go, hey, guy, I want to carry your SIG 365 you're carrying today for a couple of days, and let's swap guns. And I go, sure, and I can hand you, you know, even though, you know, you and I aren't married, we're, you know, we're, we don't even know each other personally, I can lend you my gun. You can legally carry that. That's because we don't have registration. And some states, uh, you can only carry the specific handguns under their their so-called concealed carry laws, which they call them in a lot of other states, you can only carry the gun that is associated with your license. We don't have that in Indiana. In fact, uh, it sounds like you have a license to carry. Um, So, in fact, when you applied for your license to carry in Indiana, they didn't even ask you what gun you were going to carry. And and unlike some other states where they do, to say, okay, Doug is licensed to carry or Joe is licensed to carry this particular firearm, that doesn't work that way in Indiana. You You can lawfully carry. Now, under constitutional carry, it's the same way. You can carry any gun that you legally possess, which basically means it's not stolen or doesn't have the serial number filed off of it or something along those lines. Hey, Joe, you didn't, since you bought it for your wife, you didn't buy her like one of those pink guns with the bedazzled handle on it or anything, did you? Well, yeah, did that's you? why he likes it better than his gun. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, originally, she did want something like that, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair question. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for calling. Let's go back to the phone line. And you know what? I was calling Tori a young lady, and I think I had that all wrong. Tori is a guy, I think. Tori, I'm sorry about that, brother. Tori, are Tori you? Keeps- there you are. My name's Corey, not Tori. Corey, that's all right. That's okay. That's all right. We have we, we have we have Kylin, who's the greatest producer on the planet. Um, so that's, that's the first time I've ever actually seen her make a mistake. So I'm kind of glad that, to know she's even capable of making a mistake. So Corey, Very I'm sorry. Rare. No wonder you didn't uh, you didn't respond last time. Corey, I'm sorry. What you got for us? Well, I was just curious what your feelings are on about. The, uh, the ATF trying to change the definition of a firearm that was set out in the Gun Control Act of 68, in, in particular dealing with 80% lowers and oh. what they think to be readily modified. It has no uh, wording or language in the Gun Control Act of 68 whatsoever. I'm just curious how you feel about that and what, what can be done about it. Well, I think it's an unconstitutional uh, exercise of legislative authority by an executive agency, which is not supposed to have legislative authority. And where they haven't been authorized specifically by Congress to pass those kind of regulations, um, and we had a great case. Uh, it wasn't a gun case. It wasn't a Second Amendment case. It wasn't an ATF case. But we had a great case 
out of the U.S. Supreme Court this last session in 2022. It dealt with uh, New Jersey versus EPA, that where clean air, clean water, I forget which now, regulations passed by the EPA weren't specifically authorized um, in enabling legislation by Congress, and they threw those regulations out. I think ATF could have a very similar problem where they just rewrite the rules on their own. And a classic example is bump stocks. You know, it was at the at the direction of President Trump at the time, but after the Las Vegas shooting where bump stocks were allegedly used, bump st- or Trump said, that's it, bump stocks are gone. ATF wrote a rule that changed the definition of machine gun, the definition written by Congress. And guess what? Since then, ATF's getting its butt kicked on bump stock cases all over the country. I just won a bump stock case last year uh, because it was an executive agency exercising un- an unconstitutional legislative authority, and I think that's easily where that could go. This is, and for people who don't know, what Corey was talking about is uh, the legislation aimed at so-called ghost guns, where uh, they were changing the definition of a firearm to include. Um, uh, uh, different parts of the gun, including receivers, upper receivers, uh, that had ne- and unfinished receivers is a better way of putting it, uh, that uh, that had never been classified as firearms before. Uh, that could easily be described as an unconstitutional exercise of legislative authority, Corey, and I'm glad you asked. I think you'll see that issue litigated. I really do. Uh, you want to do another one before the do, break? Night? Do one more. We'll take a break and we'll take some. We'll take even more calls. Yeah, do one more. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We got Doug. Doug, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. What you got for us? Uh, I got a question about ammunition. Uh, if someone is a hand loader, reloader, uh, especially with the the latest uh, scarce, you know, components or especially ammunition, if if there's an incident that happens, how big of a deal is that in the prosecutor's eyes? I know. Masad Ayub for years has preached, don't carry your own hand loads. Uh, what's your experience and opinion was on he, that? Was he saying hand well, load, like, it, well, a, like yeah, a six this, shooter or something like that? Well, no, this is uh, somebody who basically makes their own ammo. Oh, you, make your own you could, ammo. Well, you, you I, thought, buy I thought, the I thought he was talking about like hand loading it like they did in the Old West. Well, well, it. but it, it's it's mechanized. In other words, they have reloading presses they use. I have a Dillon Progressive reloading press in my basement um, and where people can uh, take the components, the brass, the primer, the gunpowder, no the kidding. bullet. And, 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 and what's nice, uh, the reloaders love doing this, is they can reuse their brass. So a lot of times you'll see guys picking up the brass shell casings yeah. off the ground when they're shooting range. They, that may be because they're recycling it. More likely, it means they're a reloader. Um, so they're going to go home and, and, and essentially uh, reuse that brass by putting a new primer in it, resizing it, loading it with gunpowder, uh, putting a bullet uh, in, in, into that. So that's and, allowed? And, oh, sure. Yeah. But, but Doug's question is a good one, which is, okay, let's say somebody breaks in my house or somebody tries to mug me on the street and I shoot him and I use ammunition that I've reloaded myself. Is there any legal ramification from that? And, and Doug, I, and I can't speak for every prosecutor in Indiana, but i got to tell you, invariably, no. In an awful, I've had an awful lot of gun cases over the years, and I don't remember a prosecutor ever even mentioning the, the, the source of the ammo or, or, or distinguishing between factory ammo and reloaded ammo. Now, if I suppose, and we've seen this pop up in some other states, there was a case in Arizona or Nevada where... A guy used a 10-millimeter Glock, a Model 20, and he had it loaded with hollow-point ammunition. So the prosecutor made a big deal out of this is a super high-velocity handgun with super lethal ammo. And that somehow uh, was indicative of this guy just walking around looking for an excuse to murder somebody. 
betting go anywhere. Uh, and ultimately, that person was 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 vindicated. Um, that's Fish versus Arizona, I think is the name of that case. But at any rate, um, I, I've never seen them even ask. And I have had, for instance, cases where prosecutors have said, well, I don't think a jury is going to like the fact that your client used an AR-15 uh, to defend himself, or they're not going to like the fact that they he, that your client used hollow-point ammunition. And the last time that happened with a, a deputy prosecutor is here in Marion County a few years ago. I, I, I pulled up on my just on my phone, I pulled up a copy of the self-defense statute. And, and I held it out to him, and I said, Here's a self-defense statute, 3541 3-2. Just Google I said, it. I said, I said, I said, do me a favor, scroll through this and tell me where it is there's a different standard for using really, really yeah. deadly force. Really, really <laughs> deadly force. Extra right? supercalifragilistic deadly force. Right. You're, you're, you're either justifying using deadly force or you're not. If very, you're very, very, using, very, 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 very deadly force. Yeah, is there some different standard for using de- really, really deadly force? And, and the guy just looked at me like, well, I can't mm-hmm. establish that. No, you can't. So if I shoot him with my AR-15 or hit him uh, over the head with a bowling ball, it doesn't really matter if I was justified all along in using deadly force. Quick break. If you're on hold... Stay there, uh, right? I mean, we yeah, absolutely. Be- and and I'll tell you what, we're going to have time to take some more callers as well. So give us a call three one seven two three nine ninety three ninety three. We'll get you on. Ask the Gun Guy on Hammer and Nigel. My name is Nigel Guy Relford. Has some more people waiting on hold for Ask the Gun Guy. Go ahead. Yeah, we got a bunch of new callers, so I don't think we're going to be able to get to everybody, but we'll take our best shot. Jason's been on hold for a while. Jason, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. What you got for the Gun Guy? Hey, uh, how's it going, man? Good, man. Doing, my question is that uh, they they started this open carry law now in the state, and I've heard from several people that you have to have it a holster where it's uh, on eye view. But my thing is, where do I keep that in my vehicle? Like my wife's truck, for instance, laying it in her center console is kind of a, a scary thing to do. And obviously without putting some attachment or something on my dash in her vehicle, but like in my truck, I usually just carry it right in the center console in eye view, obviously. But is there, am I allowed to put that in my center console? Oh, yeah. And Jason, are you talking about constitutional carry? And it, yeah. has someone told you that you can only open carry with constitutional carry? Because that's not right. Yeah. You can you can, really? you can can carry concealed. You can carry openly. It can be in your center console. Um, as long as, as you or your wife's not a prohibited person, uh, meaning right. you're, there's some federal or state law that says you cannot possess a firearm, you can carry openly. You can carry concealed. You can have it in the console. It doesn't have to be out and in the open. And that's true carrying it uh, down the street. You can have it in a holster uh, that's completely concealed, and, and that's totally legal under constitutional carry. Let's go back to the phone lines, and Chris. Chris, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hey. Yeah, hey, what you got? Uh, I was wondering, you talked right to bare arms and stuff. Like, I make knives and stuff. Like, is there any laws or restrictions or anything as like, far as carrying blades of some sort? A blade of some sort? Yeah, like said he makes knives. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, no. I mean, that um, in, in some states, uh, like in you go to Illinois and then even the city of Chicago, they have blade restrictions. Uh, blade can't be uh, too long, for instance. Uh, Indiana doesn't have anything like that. I mean, you you can you can carry a, uh, a you know a Roman era uh, longsword uh, if you want to. It'd be legal. Um, and uh, the only thing Indiana prohibits, get this, is a knife that propels the blade like a projectile. So if you well, have like a these, switchblade. 
side? Well, no. It, it, it The knife has to actually detach from the oh. handle and go flying through the air. Switchblades are legal in Indiana. Are they I really? I thought they were two, always illegal. Two, right. 2000, they were until about 2013. And what we no, call an automatic knife, we legalized those in about 2013. So I was actually at the gun store the, the, the day that passed. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And bought my, uh, <laughs> bought my automatic knife. Let's go back to the phone lines. And let's see. We got Joe. Joe, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hi, guys. Hey, uh, hey I just wanted to uh, propose to you that using hollow point ammunition doesn't mean you're trying to use really, really, really deadly force, <laughs> but you're being a safe and responsible gun owner. Yeah, because it avoids pass-throughs over penetration. Exactly. It avoids pass-throughs. It's not going to go in your neighbor's house. It's not going to go in your neighbor's apartment. It's going to disintegrate when it hits furniture and walls. Yeah, but, you know, Joe, it's a fair point, and I've I've made that statement myself publicly, but I'll tell you this as well. So wait, what's the argument against hollow point? Then? We've got about a minute left here. Well, the, the, there have been some prosecutors across the country that have said that, that it causes more damage than oh, non-hollow okay. point ammo. So they've said, oh, wow, you clearly intended to kill someone, not just defend yourself because you were using this ultra-dangerous ammo. That's ludicrous in my mind. First of all, cops all carry hollow point ammunition. Secondly, and Joe made this point, it's totally it's totally legitimate. Why do I carry a gun to begin with? It's to stop a threat. So I want the most effective gun I can use, the most effective ammo I can use to stop the threat. And if I'm legally justified in using deadly force, then hollow point makes no difference. But he makes an additional point, which is completely true, that hollow point is less likely to overpenetrate, go through the bad guy and into a good guy. And so you're 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 helping to not endanger others around you if you use hollow point ammunition. That's totally legit. It, it, it's much less likely to pass through somebody and keep going. More of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 5 o'clock, 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Demar Hamlin is a safety for the Buffalo Bills. He's in critical condition. Collapsed on the field Monday Night Football last night in the first quarter. Uh, seems as he went into cardiac arrest, administered CPR. His hot heart stopped beating, I think, for a few seconds. Uh, there was, I thought I read there was a defibrillator involved. Got him to the hospital. He's in critical condition. He uh, connected with the wide receiver, tackled the wide receiver from Cincinnati, uh, got back up. Yeah. And uh, as soon as he got, it looked like sort of a routine play. And uh, as soon as he got back up, the play was over, got back up, but then immediately fell back down and went into cardiac arrest. Guy Relford filling in for hammer over there. Yeah, very scary. And uh, and I, I read exactly the same thing that you did, Nigel. His heart actually stopped, so they weren't getting a pulse. Uh, uh, but the immediate uh, first responders uh, administered CPR. Uh, and uh, and and I think you're right. They did use a defibrillator at some point and got his heart beating again. You know, you don't know how long that went. You don't know what kind of damage was caused uh, by his heart not beating for some period of time. Yeah. And obviously, we won't speculate on any of those things. But I'm sure he's getting uh, great great care there at the University of Cincinnati uh, Hospital. And by the way, it's extremely rare for an NFL franchise or the league to completely cancel a game. Yeah. 
midway through, forget about the first quarter. It seemed almost like the coaches, it was their decision. They came together and said, yeah, we're done. I, I would have found it hard to believe that they would have been been willing to proceed after something like that. The the team was – both teams were visibly shaken. Oh, absolutely. You saw a lot of players on in both teams uh, in tears, uh, and understandably so. And, you know, it says a lot that their priorities were in the right yeah. place uh, and didn't want to continue playing. And, and, again, not that it remotely compares to the life of a, of a young man, uh, but this was a big game, too. I mean, both the Bills and the Bengals have the opportunity to be the number one seed uh, in the AFC. Right. Uh, and, and it was a much-touted uh, game, and, and ESPN had, had really been pitching it because of, of it, finally a meaningful Monday night game. Yeah. Uh, but I was I was glad to see that uh, their priorities were clearly in the right place. One of the things I didn't like, especially someone, uh, I'll be the first to admit, I took uh, the vaccine uh, in in 2021 upon the recommendation of my doctor. I'm middle age, I high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Uh, I, I you know I did the vaccine and was it one or two or th- three? I, I don't know. I haven't gotten any late late. Uh, latest boosters yeah but one of the things you immediately saw from people that were wanting you know to get clickbait right away is that you know they questioned uh was this player vaccinated was it the dangerous mrna vaccines and I, i think that really does harm to people who legitimately have questions and concerns about the risk uh benefit of the vaccines people have have questions about whether or not the vaccines are 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 quite possibly somewhat dangerous for people that are in a certain age group young healthy that cause myocarditis um they were they were very quick to diagnose this last night on twitter and yes i'm a guy that i thinks the vaccines quite possibly may have saved some lives in 2021 i think they were oversold i think we were lied to about the efficacy of the vaccines and i think it is downplayed about the risk reward analysis in terms of young people getting the vaccine my kids will not get the mrna vaccines but at the same time the people have legitimate questions are now probably painted as scumbags for thinking because of a, a select few on Twitter using this when they really have no idea what's going on. They don't have any idea more what's going on than a doctor on one of these cable news outlets diagnosing the, uh, you know, commotio cordis, right. which is a heart condition that, that some are saying led to this. I did not like that aspect of it. To be sure. There are too many people out there, either because they're just irresponsible or because they have a pre-existing political agenda that is their priority and more so than saying anything that's informed more so than showing empathy uh, for a young man in critical condition they'll they see any given situation that is any possible means of them advancing their pre-existing political agenda they jump on it for that and reason guy, it happened during covid for people that didn't want to take the vaccine absolutely as well it, it, you know, immediately with glee, liberal progressive media types hopped aboard the very rare instances where a young, healthy person would pass away from COVID, having bragged about not gotten the vaccine. It was uh, it was the exception rather Absolutely. than the rule, and it leans the other way too. Of course, there you know risk reward with everything. I don't believe personally that a healthy twenty five year old, thirty year old needs to take uh, COVID vaccine my and i certainly don't believe my 10 year old needs to take it either 
Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean I could sit there and look at what happened uh, to uh, Damar Hamlin was 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 jab related. That doesn't people do it on the other side. They did it with yeah. us. They did it. You know, you weren't allowed. If somebody, you're not allowed to question the vaccine in some parts now because because it has been suppressed the efficacy of of the vaccine social media um it's been documented if you have questions you have been suppressed oh yeah we're talking about therapeutics too but it doesn't help somebody's cause doesn't help somebody a skeptic who at the very least has questions to look at what happened last night and use that for a political gain i'm sorry it doesn't i may offend some people with that take but I think it's true. I don't think there's anything wrong with having that take. Well, yeah, it was Rahm Emanuel, right, former mayor of Chicago, that said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, and too many people think that way. I see it in the Second Amendment uh, arena all the time. There's a shooting, and, and everybody wants to leverage that uh, to promote their pre-existing agenda, yes. whether it has any application or not. I mean, you know, we we, we, we had a school shooting uh, in, in, in Noblesville Middle School involving a handgun. And, and a middle school student, and, and, and within days, there are people out on social media calling for an assault weapon ban because of the Noblesville Middle School shooting. That's I'm right. like, you know, uh, assault weapon yeah. ban? Yeah, however you want to define assault weapon, which is purely political term, uh, it, it had no application to this. It, it was a pistol that was used. Why would you use this to promote your pre-existing agenda? Well, it's because never let a, a good tragedy go to waste. So DeMar Hanlon, um, in critical condition, and we don't know exactly what happened. The last I saw, he's intubated and is is recovering. And they've they're, they're doing a bunch of tests on him. Pray to God he recovers from this sort of thing. And that uh, this happens. Whatever happened is so rare. It's been yeah. decades since anybody. I think like fifty one years or something since somebody died in the field of play. And this condition that that people are talking about, this uh, commotio cordis, is um, is extremely rare. As well, I think it happened like 20 times in the past year uh, for athletes. So, um, yeah, pray for his recovery. And that was a pretty big deal. I mean, it's a national news story that's still getting a lot of attention. (laughs) And, you know, I'm getting people sending us memes like, you know, you remember if someone young and healthy died unexpectedly, it's improper to ask about their vaccine status. That question is only for important occasions like entry to restaurants. <laughs> hey, look, I get those memes. I, I was against mandates. I was forget, I was against the lockdowns. I trust me, those memes, I don't know that you can make a direct comparison about what we're talking about in this situation. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Those of you that were shamed because you didn't want the vaccine, those of you that were shamed for protesting outside the governor's house during the lockdowns, oh, yeah. I totally petri get dish, it. Right? Human petri dish, I totally get it. I don't know that this is exactly the same thing, though. More of the Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Crime, punishment, judges. 
illegal stuff. Yeah, the gun guy, Guy Relford, filling in for Hammer today. Uh, here's just a few minutes. We'll hook up live with Tony Katz for Tuesdays with Tony. Right now, Dateline, Delaware County. I believe that's in the Muncie area, Guy. Mm-hmm. I thought this was kind of interesting. Prosecutors dropped these charges against a dude named Lenzel Williams. He got arrested in the summer of 2020. Eaton police forced entry into his family's apartment, no warrant, and without announcing themselves, he had a gun drawn. I think they were looking for his girlfriend or his wife or something like that. Um, I almost thought at one point you were involved. You weren't involved with this legally. No, no. I I may have gotten... Yeah, I may have gotten a call on it, Nige, but I was never hired to, to participate in it. Tell us why this is a big deal. What happened here? Well, it looks like a really weak case from day one, uh, and that is that you know, police charge into this apartment. They were they were pursuing a young lady, like you said, a, a significant other, we think, um, of this Lanzell Williams, but they they broke into this apartment with no warrant. Okay. Now, there are certain exceptions to the requirement to have a warrant when you enter someone's home, what we call exigent circumstances. And one is if you think someone is in immediate danger and police need to break in to, to protect that person. And, 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 and an offshoot of that is if you think someone's immediately going to be destroying evidence, that could be exigent circumstances, which is a, a an exception to the warrant requirement. Okay. This didn't appear to fall within any of that. So right off the bat, it looks like an illegal entry into uh, the apartment. Secondly, you know, if I'm in my house and the door crashes open, and and the and the contention here is, and I think the body cam video, reportedly anyway, right. supports this. The officers also didn't announce themselves. So I just hear my door crash open. I hear doorsteps in my entry. People are in my house. The likelihood of me walking out of a bedroom with a gun in my hand is very very high. And 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 thank God uh, it didn't get worse because yes. of, but but he got he got charged with intimidation with a deadly weapon and pointing a firearm. Those are both felonies. Yeah. And and but but then in a recent hearing, apparently the judge noted there were some discrepancies between the body cam video and police officers' actual testimony. I think on the issue of whether. Mr. Williams ever actually pointed the gun or not, um, but, or but I'm whether or not the uh, whether or not the officers identified themselves. Exactly right, and so and so where you have that video, um, that uh, that obviously is going to play a major role in all of this. So it, it looked to me to be a weak case. They they got a big problem because if that entry into the home was illegal, then any uh, what we call fruit of the poison tree, in other words, any evidence that they collected uh, as a result of that illegal entry all gets quashed, it gets suppressed, and he's not admissible at trial, and obviously in this case, that means the whole case would go away. So I, I think the discretion was the better part of valor here, and the Delaware, Delaware County prosecutors decided they didn't want any part of taking this thing to trial. And of course, now, you know, the the this Williams ca- character, whoever he is, is out tens of thousands of dollars in lawyers' fees. Yeah. I uh, think the county, or the police department, is suing the female involved, civilly, because she wrote some disparaging things about them on social media. I saw that. But, you know, you, you got to be really careful. When, you know, people come to me all the time, well, these people, you know, said this or said that, and I want to sue them for defamation. You got to be really careful when you run out and file one of those lawsuits because it's like a lot of things. I, I tell people all the time if, 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 if it just feels good to go file that lawsuit because you're like vindicating yourself, you're yeah. defending your honor, that's all fine. But you got to worry about whether you can win that lawsuit. And by the way, truth is a defense. 
in a defamation case. So you go file that lawsuit. You defamed us. You lied, to, you know, about us on social media. Yeah. Well, what's her what's her defense going to be to that? Well, I was telling the truth, which goes into all of the conduct of the police officers, you which know, can turn over a lot of stones that they may not want to have turned it, it over. It really sucks because you and I are both 100 percent pro law enforcement. Sure, absolutely. And we, you know, back the blue, thin blue line all the way. What possibly could the police have eaten have been thinking going about the you know procedurally the way they did without a, a quote unquote warrant and i know you said there were some exceptions yeah what i mean that just you know that's why there's guys like you out there that, well, that's that, right that but maybe you know, try to keep a close eye on some of you got to do it the right way you got to do it the right way there are rules and and there are constitutional protections in this case the fourth amendment uh which means uh, you know the, the people are protected against unreasonable searches and seizures and unreasonable typically is without a warrant although there are certain exceptions to that so yeah and, and, and you know look even talking to to to, um, to Rick Snyder and and some of the other folks in law enforcement that you know that, that you know we talk to all the time you have on your show all the mm-hmm. time they're the first to acknowledge that police don't always get it right and they don't sure, all, they, they sure. they're not always perfect just like any other whether that's lawyers or radio hosts or <laughs> any other profession right that's we're every gonna, day we're, for me yeah, <laughs> but we're gonna screw it up sometimes and uh, and you know they're not infallible and and I think this is a case here where officers made a bad decision because look you're chasing somebody they run into an apartment if you don't think someone's in immediate peril you need to go save them what can you do you can establish a perimeter you can call a judge and you can establish what your probable cause is to to believe that this person's committed a crime and you need to gain entry so as to either arrest them or collect evidence judge finds probable cause issues your warrant then you go kick the door in Um, you don't have to rush in just because you're in quote-unquote hot pursuit you can maintain a (laughs) perimeter and make sure the person doesn't come out if they come out you arrest them you don't just go kick doors in without warrants annual study looked at how many americans moved into and out of all 50 states vermont saw the highest percentage of inbound migration for the second straight year not sure why uh, not sure what it is about vermont i just have the basics here uh top 10 are oregon rhode island south carolina delaware north carolina dc which counted as a state uh, south dakota new mexico and alabama all high percentage of inbound migration have you lived anywhere else besides in yeah, the, I, I, I lived uh, in Michigan for four years. Okay. Yeah, but that was it. Other than that, I've been in here in Indiana. I lived in Austin, Texas for four years. That's, I that's, love that's, Austin. Austin's states. a great town. These are states, but I'm sure the cities, Austin's one of them. Now, this might surprise you, the most popular states to move out of? New Jersey for the <laughs> fifth year in a row. Yeah. Illinois was second, followed by, oh, shocker, New York. There you go. It's kind of funny, guy, considering that Kathy Hochul was just recently telling people and conservatives to move out of her state uh, uh, only a few months ago. Just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. So people in New York listen to the to Governor Hochul. And which is it's 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 odd because, you know, socialism and wealth transfer only work if you have people with means generating income. (laughs) When you kick those people out or tell them they're not wanted, uh, Republicans and Democrats alike uh, left 
New York in droves. Well, exactly. It completely works against this, the, the, the socialist system and what you're trying to do. Well, and wasn't it Mar- Margaret Thatcher who said the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other, other people's, people's money? money? Well, sure. you, run out of so- <laughs> you, you run out of money to support socialism even faster when you're kicking taxpayers out of your state or you're incentivizing them to leave. The, the problem, though, and a lot of people in Texas would tell you this, uh, Florida to some degree, that, that when you have a state like California, New York, New Jersey, and, and those people are, are feeling the need to get out, whether it's high taxes or whatever, unfortunately, a lot of times they take their politics with them. And that's right. the, that's yeah, the yeah, disheartening yeah. part, which is, look, <laughs> you're leaving these socialist states for a reason. You know, it's because of the, the taxes and, and, the, and the other, the other, the other uh, government controls on your life that a, that a socialist system is always going to impose upon you. Why on earth would you want to move to another state that you, you ostensibly prefer and then vote for some of those same systems to come into play in your new state? Well, it's funny you mention that because uh, it's a big surprise. Hochul completely reversed course when she was sworn in yesterday, quote, we must and will make our state safe. We have to make our state more affordable, and we must reverse the trend of people leaving our state, which, again, is ironic, is because you are the sole reason, you and past governors are the sole reason why people left the state in droves, Democrats and Republicans. All right, uh, it's Tuesdays with Tony Katz. Go to Hook Up Live with Tony Katz here in just a minute after a quick look at the news, 93 WIBC. Yeah. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey. Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Katz on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. Happy New Year, Tony Katz. How are you? I'm doing all right. What's going on, boo-boo? So, uh, no majority emerging in the first House speaker vote. Kevin McCarthy seems like he's in some trouble. Tell me what this means and why people should be paying attention to it. Well, I don't know if it means anything serious. Uh, We knew that when Republicans didn't get... The, the, the serious level of advantage didn't get the results that they wanted from uh, the midterms that this was going to be a tighter conversation. The people opposed to McCarthy were going to have more depth and room to work with and force concessions out of McCarthy. The problem is that the people who are voting against him, that Matt Gates argument, it's a garbage argument. It's not that I'm a fan of McCarthy. It's that if you need or want something better, put up a candidate and put up a program that gives you something better. And Gates hasn't done that. All Gates has done is move his mouth. And I'm not interested in, in that. I think Gates looks like a shallow punk in this whole conversation. If If you tell me you don't want Kevin McCarthy, I'm cool with it. Get the other option. You had to do it this way. You had to go through these votes. Maybe. But if you were someone like Gates or someone like Biggs or somebody else out there, why not say, here's the person and here's why and here's what we're going to do. Meanwhile, Jim Jordan got a bunch of votes. He wasn't up for anything. Congressman Jim Banks getting a vote. Uh, He wasn't up for anything. We're going to see. But I think we do have a couple days. It's possible we've got a couple days ahead of us. It doesn't seem like Gates, like you mentioned, like I saw that clip, you may have played it this morning of him 
walking down the hallway with Bobert and, you know, kind of playing coy with the press. Eh, it was a productive, well, maybe it was, was it Was it or was it not a productive meeting behind closed doors? I, I don't see a, yeah, there's no been, there's been no cohesive plan at all that I've seen. Yeah, That's a problem. I, I, he, he, he was walking with Bobert. Uh, he was playing coy with the press, smiling with the press. What are you doing? You got a plan or you just want to be special? Because I'm not interested in you being special. <laughs> Tuesdays with Tony Katz. I definitely want to see what you got into over the uh, long holiday. You mentioned uh, the midterms and how the Democrats did better than they thought they were going to do. Republicans didn't do as well. You have Donald Trump tweeting out some nonsense on his social media platform about how it had to do with abortion and the Republicans messaging on abortion and the, you know, like the, the no exceptions thing kind of smashing the Supreme court. What did you think about that whole state? It just kind of seems like his campaign is, is flailing right now. Can you talking about Trump? Trump. Yeah. What campaign is no, you, we're, well, we're right. two years yeah, ahead of an election. You're, you are way ahead of, of the but whole He's thing. the only one that's announced is all I'm saying. And it doesn't and, seem and to be going le- well for him. And that's legitimate. Somebody referred to that statement as a mountain of lies atop a kernel of truth. And and I think that's right. Uh, abortion p- played a part in terms of it motivated uh, the, the, the left. But when you hear people discussing it in the main, they'll talk about candidate quality, quote, un- un- unquote. Uh, maybe they just don't want to make abortion their front and center subject. I, I have argued many times that the that the political right should never be afraid of of this conversation. The political left is the party of infanticide. What the hell do you yeah. expect us to be in favor <laughs> of, you freaks? Uh, but but the the idea that Trump's going to say that that's the reason and and not uh, his his picks, um, it's it's typical Trump and and it's boring. That's the problem. Trump's boring. His announcement didn't excite anybody no one's been excited since then no one's excited now maybe they'll be excited in six months but i'm not going to get myself worked up i'm not i'm not playing the game did did quote-unquote quality of candidate play a part of it in the midterms because man i'll be honest with you there's some awful candidates on the Democrat side, like, right. like uh, what, Fetterman and uh, even Biden, for God's sake, in 2020. I mean, does what, that are, does that play a, a part in it? What the political left showed is that the entire conversation of candidate quality is bunk because they don't give a good holy damn about candidate quality. They don't they don't care about candidate quality in Indiana. In the first district, they ran somebody who had to leak the military records of a black female veteran in order to win. That's my take. I'm taking that with me all the way to the bank. I dare the Democratic Party to take me on on this one. They're going to now lecture about uh, candidate quality. Sit down. Be quiet. You bore me, kid. I'm not paying any attention because they don't have candidates of quality at all. Fetterman, of course, is not a candidate of quality. Katie Hobbs in Arizona, not a candidate uh, of quality. Hakeem Jeffries, an election denier, not a candidate of quality. Yet they put him up for Speaker of the House and they're cheering and they're jovial. He's he's an election (laughs) denier, not a candidate of quality at all. Well, and okay, then go to George Santos. Is is it more embarrassing for the Democrats that this guy got elected in New York? 
or more embarrassing for the Republicans that he pretty much lied about his entire resume and he's for he, more embarrassing he, for Democrats yeah. for 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 sure because this isn't the first time as I know it he had run so they didn't do any opposition research worth a holy damn I I have I don't question whether or not George Santos is a liar I'm saying he did indeed lie but Richard Blumenthal lied about his Vietnam service and he's a senator. And uh, yeah. and uh, Ted Kennedy killed a woman, and he's a senator. I don't listen to Democrats when it comes to candidate quality at all. What the Republicans do with this guy, uh, we'll see. Isn't it kind of funny, Trump's taxes, they finally made him public, and it was, again, a, a complete nothing burger. You know, he paid taxes some years, didn't other years because he took losses and... And like I like okay, if we're gonna start putting people's taxes out there, I'd like to see start with Nancy Pelosi. I'd like to start with who's the lady's got the four million dollar house outside her district, uh, Maxine Waters. I'd like to see you know some of these other people's taxes. Did that did your you know your take on that? I don't have a, I don't I don't There's have a nothing. take, man. I got nothing. I don't. Uh, the the predictability of the left. Yes. Hey, let's do this and let's try and and insult him or let's try and humiliate him. Oh, who cares? They're awful people. They have no standards. They have no morals. They have no decency. And yet they want to lecture about standards and morals and decency. I'm. I, I just. I want to laugh at them and move on <laughs> to more important subjects. A uh, very important subject is the uh, the crime numbers primarily released for 2022. 964 people shot, 193 stabbed, 229 people killed in 365 days for 2022. Uh, that number does include self-defense incidents uh, when we're talking about people killed. And all this from public reports kind of awaiting the, the finalized numbers from the city. Uh, Joe Hogsett went on to say, hey, look, this is, uh, you know, what we're doing is working, a 15% deal. Decrease three times the national average reduction in terms of deadly violence since 2019. What did you think when you saw uh, the mayor uh, tout those numbers? The numbers come from the dollars spent by the American Rescue Plan that have provided us so much inflation that you can't actually look at this and say good. You can always look at less people murdered and say good, but the how came from $50 million being spent out of the $150 million or $45 million out of the $150 million from the American Rescue Plan. And I don't think it's right to ask the people of California to, or the people of Arkansas to people to deal with our murder rate. But why is it that you're telling me now that peacemakers, these, these people walking the street, make the difference when Reverend Charles Harrison was telling you that for years, years. and the administration, yeah. the Hogsett administration, ignored that man for years? And now all of a sudden they realize it works? Well, it's only going to work for as long as that money's there. So unless they're willing to raise your taxes and you're willing to accept those raised taxes, unless you're willing to spend more, Marion County, enjoy the slight reduction yeah. for the next couple of years because you're blank out of luck after that. And the key question here, and we'll, we'll leave it at this, Tony, is are we a safer city? Uh, when Mayor Joe Hogsett tweets out these numbers, do you look at the, do you look at the the, the Marion County and say, oh, okay, we, we're very, we're much safer now? We are absolutely not a safer city. Everybody in the city will tell you this. And if people want to say otherwise, they're more than welcome to. But the proof is in the reality. And the reality is people are afraid of the city. And that is a messaging problem, an imaging problem of Joe Hogsett and an absolute failure of his leadership. Can't be denied. And if his team doesn't like it, who actually cares? They're at fault. 
Tony, did you get out of town for a while? Did you talk about where you went for vacation, or is that uh, went went know? to the southwest? Did some nice. hiking, did some mountain biking, came back to the flood. You well, know, the lots pipes, of, lots of cigars. Oh, there were a, a an incredible amount of glorious cigars, and then came back, and there was a flood in the house, and we've been repairing oh it. Oh my by god, bit. that is yeah. not something you want to walk into. What time did you? Got in at midnight, oh, and, and no. there was one of the Bellagio oh, fountains just oh, uh, no, Tony, that's making nice. it happen. Uh, uh, people had it worse. People had it much worse than us. What is coming up uh, tomorrow on your shows? Well, uh, we don't got a speaker. Yeah. There is no Speaker of the House, so, you know, we are uh, we are on uh, to this. They're going to have, uh, who, who knows? Who knows how many votes they're going to have? Maybe they'll have it figured out by the time we're talking. Uh, you know, uh, you know we'll, we'll see, but uh, I think we're going to be still looking at this uh, tomorrow. Tuesdays with Tony Katz. Tony, happy New Year, man. Thank you. You too, man. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> the hammer and nigel show an entire hour of the show coming up after six o'clock guy relford the gun guy filling in for hammer did you even waste your time with the colts game on sunday you know uh, you know and and nigel is coming from somebody who's a huge colts fan i sure. mean I, I have for years i've seen the colts play in in 28 i think other stadiums across the country and i've followed them around I've, I've, i was a season ticket holder for over 30 years i didn't watch the last game before this the monday night game at all it wasn't worth me staying up for and then of course they got waxed um and then this game against the giants you know giants were eight and six at home playing for a, a playoff spot you, you know in fact i i messaged hammer on social media and said you know the colts are only getting five and a half isn't yeah. this the safest bet ever you know i go i'm, I'm thinking about betting the mortgage here man you know, I did too. Talk, talk me off the ledge and uh, he goes no nah, I, I think i may be with you he was vague because he was he still had his Indiana best, best show, show to go yeah. on, but, uh, but anyway, you know, I did. I watched. Uh, I watched most of the first half. And, oh, okay, and, and, yeah. and when they went down twenty, I think it was twenty-one or twenty-eight to three. I went, nah, I'm done. I think final score thirty-eight to ten. Yeah, uh, yeah. I felt I was asleep for most of it that day, and really now I'm actively rooting for them to lose. Oh this yeah, last game. Yeah. Just in terms of draft picks coming up next. Exactly. Uh, I just wish Denver would win spring, a damn guess, game or whatever, so we can swap that draft pick position. But uh, but 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 yeah, no. I, at this point, I want us to get the best draft draft pick we can. But man, it's disheartening because you looked at what we're some supposed to be some of the the strengths of this team, including offensive line. Um, they're they're just so woefully bad. It, it it's depressing when when man, when you've been a big fan for a long time and you care about the outcome. And just to sit there and get beat up, yeah, that's how it feels. <laughs> just watching them get smoked uh, game after game. What, nine out of the last ten and six in a row? It's embarrassing. What's fun about that? What, what, is Jeff Saturday going to be back for a... Uh... Um, I mean, in a, he might be back as, as like assistant line coach, uh, but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I like Jeff Saturday. Yeah, I do too. How, no, I do too. How can you not like Jeff Saturday? But uh, what they've put on the field uh, has been miserable in all respects, and there's just no getting around that. All right, that's Guy Relford. I'm Nigel. Another hour to go. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. When I hear, ooh,